Hello, hello. Welcome back to My Big Sisters Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Kay. Oh, is my mic plugged in right? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, What do I have for you today? It is March 20th. It's a Monday. I try to record on Mondays. Swing at the weekend. And, um, I only have a glass of water because <laughs> I didn't want to have coffee and be too hyper because then I feel like I'm not well focused. You know what I mean? Like there's a sweet spot between um, being medicated and caffeinated. Uh, today I wanted to talk about female service workers needing to change the way that they offer services to men specifically. And the way this came up was because there was a TikTok, I know, Tina, shut the fuck up about TikToks. There was a TikTok of a therapist and she expressed that she no longer takes male clients because they're incredibly disrespectful to her. She feels that they get abusive, probably like verbally abusive, and are just incredibly difficult to work with. And then in the comments, it was men literally losing their shit. I think they've I think a bunch of people tried to get her license revoked for this. I don't know if they were successful. I have to follow up on that. But it was also in the comments, tons of other women stating that in their job, they too had to change the way that they do things or change the way they hire people because they couldn't work with men anymore for similar reasons, for worse reasons. And one of those things being at a morgue or a funeral home, they stopped hiring men because they couldn't leave men alone with the female bodies who have already passed. (laughs) So obviously (laughs) I was not thrown off because that's not shocking to me. I don't know if that's shocking to you, but that is not shocking to me. But It's something that I feel like we forget to talk about, meaning the way we change, the way we do things, even going to work, your commute, or actually working your job, to try to avoid getting harassed or assaulted or just being made to feel uncomfortable around men. And... I think it's a fascinating conversation because it's so normalized. And I don't think it's normalized because we want it to be. I think it's normalized because we, meaning women, we have no choice, right? Like we have no choice. It's not normalized because we're letting them get away with it. It's just normalized because even if you try to change it, shit like this happens. This woman, they're trying to revoke her license to practice as a therapist because she spoke out saying, I can't work with men anymore. They're just like, it's it's dangerous for me. It's uncomfortable. I can't do it anymore. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. And I asked you guys on my on the podcast Instagram at my big sisters podcast if you've had similar experiences. And I got tons of replies. So I'll be reading those and then sharing my personal story about how It was difficult for me to commute. It was difficult for me to be in an office and and more. Even as a freelance makeup artist, 
um, the only safe space I've ever worked is with other influencers and in the social media industry because most of the events are with other women like me and um, queer people and I work from home. You know, I don't have to do much. I don't have to interact with many people. Freelancing, on the other hand, you would think would be something more safe, but it's not. And we'll get into that. So before we do, I wanted to talk about a little bit of hot topics and personal updates. This past week, um, St. Patrick's Day is my mom's birthday. And a lot of you wished her a happy birthday. So thank you very much. I made a really nice post on my personal Instagram at Tina Kosnick. And you know what people like post for your birthday and they like put a whole birthday message and it's like, girl, just text each other. Like, why are you putting it on Instagram? I didn't want to do that, obviously, because I'm very aware of the the way that I make my captions and how it will sound when somebody else reads it. You know, the Kardashians will be like, you are the best brother. You're the best sister in the world. Like, just you don't say that to each other. Like, just say to each other, why are you putting in a caption? So I'm really aware. So I thought it would be a nice idea to tell other people about my mom on her birthday and just like, because my mom knows I feel this way about her. <laughs> I text my mom. I'll be high at like fucking 10 o'clock at night and be like, mom, I love you so much. (laughs) Like I tell her all these things. So instead of making a caption that's like clearly something I could have texted her, I wanted to make a caption of whatever I could fit of all the things that I really like about her specifically outside of her being a mom. You know, I could save that for Mother's Day. Outside of her being a mom, I listed the things that I liked about her as a person. I mean, a lot of it has to do with being her being a mom, but like not really. It's like her personality traits that I wanted to bring attention to that other people can read and agree with or just read and learn about her, um, about her own person as Cindy. And there were so many lovely responses. Um, And some of her friends even messaged me and some of her friends even commented and was like, this is so her. (laughs) And I like that. I like people knowing I'm definitely someone who will celebrate you, the people close to me, if they allow it, you know, because some people are private, but my mom is someone who will let you celebrate her. She'll let you love her. And that's unique. Think about it. Think about the people who let you go overboard, who will let you love them, who let you express your love language to them. That doesn't happen a lot, I've noticed. Um, I could tell the difference between people who let you celebrate them and people who are a little bit more guarded and for whatever fucking reason, they don't feel comfortable with it. But the people who allow me to celebrate them, I do. I go above and beyond and I communicate that a lot because I think that, you know, often when someone passes is the time where you tell them everything you you like about them and you let them know how much you care and you let them know how much you liked all these mundane little things and that's a bit too late in my opinion it happens it's no one's fault you know it happens but I'm a person who really finds it important and really considers that I think it's special to say it now to say it as soon as possible and as often as possible and in, in as many ways as you want. So that's why I made that long ass caption. But I thought it was nice. I didn't think it was too cringy. There were so many things I wrote that I was like, cringe, cringe. <laughs> stop it. Stop, stop, stop. Um, but I thought this was like a really nice way. And I encourage you to do it too. That's why I'm telling you about it. I encourage you to do that too. Like maybe um, 
the next time you are posting for someone's birthday or just on social media, think of it more of like, what are you saying to the people who are following you? Versus like, what are you trying to say to the person you love? That's something you could write in a text to somebody and keep private. But what are you saying? All those people who follow you, even if you have 10 followers or 1,000 or 20,000 or 100,000, what are you saying to them? Because they're the ones reading it. So read it as if you're re- as if you're a follower. So what are you what are you saying? And then maybe you can make a list of like, oh, it's this person's birthday. This person is, you know, my mom, my my dad, my brother, my sister, my boyfriend, whatever. The, or your best friend. This is what I love about them. And and don't list things that they do for you. List things about their personality that you adore. Just even the little things. And I think that would be nice because I would love to read that too. Like I was I was trying to read it as if I didn't know me. And I, I would love to see that from people I follow. Like instead of you fucking gushing about your two-year relationship with your boyfriend. <laughs> instead of you gushing about how in love you are and how much they do for you. Tell me about their personality. Like, what are the little things? What are their favorite things? What's something silly they do? What's something funny they do? Like, what's something generous they do? What do they contribute to society? Like, what do they do for work? And are they good at it? Or, you know, what do they teach you? Tell me about them. Tell people about the people you love and why they're special and why you love them. And maybe if you can't fucking come up with something, (laughs) maybe you're a narcissistic little fuck. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, I just got a notice on my ring. Hold on. So it was my mom's birthday. I couldn't go there. Um, I wasn't feeling too well. And um, like I've told you a million times, she doesn't live near me. So the drive is pretty fucking long. And what day was it? It was like a Friday. It just, it didn't work out for me to go there. I did just see her and I'm sure we'll make plans to do something. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't work out for me to go there. But we FaceTimed when they sang happy birthday and I literally talked to her all day. <laughs> we text, we call each other. So I'm sure we'll make up for it and, and do something together. I don't go out for St. Patrick's Day. Here's the thing, babes. Pre-pandemic, I went out a lot. Okay, I'm a party person. I love to go out. Um... During the pandemic, I still kind of did, but like not as much because it was also weird to go out and a lot of places closed and shit like that. And um, now I don't go out as much because um, it's a little bit harder for me to recover. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit harder for me to recover and to wake up early in the morning and walk her, walk share my puppy and be hung over it's just it's tough so if I do go out I save those like my going out coins I save those moments for like shit that I really don't want to miss and shit that I really want to celebrate because listen to me I'm I get out of control okay and maybe we can get into that I know some of you requested story times and stuff maybe we can get into that I could do a few story times but um I Get out of fucking control, okay? I'm the type of friend that if I'm having a good time and it's 3 a.m., I'm the type of friend that you have to explain why we need to leave. 
Like, obviously we need to leave because it's three o'clock in the fucking morning, bitch. Like, you're, we've been drinking and partying for hours. It's time to fucking go home. No, I'm the friend that's like, I, I don't know when to stop, okay? I don't know when to stop. So I say the way that I keep myself balanced is I save my tokens for like, I save my going out tokens for like when I really don't want to miss it and when... It's something I really want to sell. Like if I'm biting somewhere and I really don't want to miss it, I go. Or if it's something I really want to celebrate, I'll celebrate it and go out. But like I get fucking out of control. It's fucking, it's crazy. I don't know if that's alcoholism. Some people say that's alcoholism. But the thing is, I don't drink or go out that often. And if I'm not out, I'm not drinking. I don't drink at home really. Even if you see me have a martini or a glass of wine, it's like few and far apart. Um, I think I did have a little bit of a stint of like having more than having one a week, which is a lot for me. I'm not like, oh, I don't drink. I just like don't love how I feel the next day. And I think it's probably because I'm a bit more sensitive than most. I know as you get older, you know, hangovers get harder and stuff. I've always been like this. This is not as I've gotten older, you know, for obvious reasons. I think I'm a little bit more sensey <laughs> than others. And it really fucks me up and it's so fucking annoying. So I don't go out that often. Um, So obviously St. Patrick's Day, you know, I'm not like, I'm not going to do that. It's also an amateur day. You know what I mean? And I respect that when I was young, I was out and about doing all the amateur nights. And it could be very fun because everybody's out. I literally remember being in Manhattan to go out like, girl, before I was even 21, We would go find places in Manhattan that didn't ID and it would be fucking out of control. And then after I was 21, I kind of stopped doing the amateur nights because it's like, it's hard. It's like a fucking disaster. You got to be agile and energetic. (laughs) Like, oh my God, it's such a fucking pain in the ass to go out when everybody's outside. It's a little bit more fun. Oh, I got stories for you, babe. It's a little bit more fun. Um to go out on all, some of the best nights I've ever had were just Saturdays. I used to go out Saturday nights. We would um, often, like Saturday nights. I got to get a clip. Hold on. I need to put my fucking... My hair is so... I love it. I appreciate it. I love it. I appreciate it. But holy fucking shit, it really pisses me off. That's why I always have it up because I don't like it touching my neck and shit. It gets on my fucking nerves or in my face. It gets on my fucking nerves. Um, anyway, there was like, I think two years where we would go out every Saturday and um, the place would hire talent like Nicki Minaj, Little Kim. Um, is, the, is the name Party Next Door? Party Next Door, Migos. And um, I guess we had connections there. I'm not going to go into detail on that. But we had connections there and would be on stage with talent. And that was so much fun. I never posted about it. I don't know why. I think because I don't go, I don't like to show when I'm outside just for, you know, safety precautions. But I would be on stage with with these celebrities and it was just so much fucking fun. But that was pre-pandemic. I feel like now so many things changed about going out in Manhattan that it's like, it's fun, but it's not the same. It's really not the same, which is sad. If I think about it too much, I get upset. (laughs) But anyway, 
All that to say, I don't go out St. Patrick's Day because I don't really, you know, I don't do the the amateur nights too much. Also, I started taking magnesium, bitch. Everybody's like, take magnesium, magnesium for this, magnesium for that. So I started magnesium, is it glyconate? I don't know. I posted it. I'll pull it up for you. Hold on. I'll tell you which one. I started taking it. Okay. I don't notice. I don't know. I've only I've only taken it a week now. I don't fucking know if there's any major differences. The only difference I noticed so far is I sleep a little better. I'll sleep fully through the night and I wake up feeling a little better, a little less depressy. So I don't know if that's the magnesium. I don't know if it's the sun coming out, bitch. I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait to see. But apparently magnesium is supposed to be, yeah, magnesium glycinate, 500 milligrams. So I've been taking one a night. I don't know if, I think I'm supposed to take two. Maybe I'll start taking two. And so far, so good for everyone who's (laughs) invested in the fucking magnesium journey. (laughs) Um... Do I have any other personal updates that I can talk about? Not really. The only thing I noticed is I think I'm getting better. Oh, like, wait, bitch, nobody cares. We want to know about, like, if you did anything. I didn't do shit. I don't even know what I did this weekend. Oh, I had my period. So that's the other thing, too. I couldn't go to my mom. I didn't feel good. I told you this before. If I have my period, it, it takes a toll on me. In regards to my illness, not necessarily PMS symptoms. So it's like some PMS symptoms, but not that serious. Like I don't get like debilitating cramps or anything. I'm very lucky that way. I don't get any debilitating cramps. I'll get a headache. I'm very tired, but it triggers my other stuff. And that makes it hard for me to... Um, I could still do things, but... Just not not 100%. As most women, you know, when you have your period, it's going to affect so many other things. There's so... Look up the list of PMS symptoms. It's way more than I was ever told. <laughs> it's way more. So I'll have that plus my other stuff. So really, I spent the weekend kind of just like sleeping, self-caring, you know, a lot of resting, just shit like that. Very boring. Just, I, I I have nothing to report. Very boring weekend. Maybe next week will be more fun. And I did want to add that I think I'm a little bit, I'm getting better at talking about this stuff around my illness. I think I'm getting a little better at it. I think I am. And I mentioned that because I would like, I want to know what you think. Okay. So I need your opinion because listen, nobody, I get it. Nobody wants to fucking hear anybody complain about their shit over and over again. Like, girl, we get it. We know what you have. Shut up. We get it. I understand that. I'm I'm like that too. I don't want to fucking hear about it all the time. And that's, I'm on the podcast with you and I'm talking to you, but in my day-to-day life, this is never brought up. It's, I don't even say the words. Nobody says the words. I never talk about it. I don't, I don't think anyone even knows all of my symptoms because I never talk about it. I'll say very little things like, um... You know, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling my best today. You know, I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit, it's a little tricky today. I'm feeling a little, not feeling my best today. That's it though. You know what I mean? I don't go on making TikToks, making videos about it, nothing like that. 
And I get it, you know, because I don't like seeing that from other people. I don't like seeing like, oh, here's the best diet for this. Like, I don't want to be a fucking advocate or a fucking influencer or make it my personality or make wear it like a badge. I hate that shit. And I also don't like the sob stories of like, oh, this is so hard for me today. (laughs) I hate that shit, too. So I don't want to come off that way. Um, But I'm... I'm trying to find the balance between, because my, this podcast is for you guys, but it's like not for you guys because I have siblings, right? So this podcast is for them. So I'm thinking, how do I tell these stories about how I even got here and what even the fuck happened without talking about it? So, so I think eventually I will have to, and here's the thing, my anniversary is coming up, my anniversary being when I was officially diagnosed because it's only a date I remember because it was so fucking dramatic. (laughs) It was, it was drama. It wasn't, it was dramatic as fuck. It wasn't like a slow leading up to things and like, okay, you're going to like, this is what we think it is. No, no, no. This was like overnight things got fucked up because I waited so long. And I was thinking maybe that's a good time to do that episode. But if it's something that's very off put, if you think it's distasteful, to tell you everything about that, let me know because I won't because I'm really mindful about like what is too much complaining, what is carrying on, what sounds like it's for sympathy and what is actually informational. Is that a word? It is now informational. What is actually interesting to listen to and not just a soapbox to complain on, you know? And did I want to tell you something else? Oh, another thing. Guys, I have my infusion coming up um, in April. Which is also probably why I'm not feeling the best. Because maybe my last infusion's wearing off. I don't know. But my infusion's coming up. I'm going to... I might have to double record the week before. Because I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a, an episode done that week. But I don't want to miss it. And I was wondering if you wanted to hear about that or, again, if it's, like, enough, enough with the, you know what I mean? Let me know your boundaries on that. Let me know what you think because, again, I'm the same way. I don't want to fucking hear about the sob story. I hate complaining. I hate all that shit. So I want to check in and and get your feedback on that if if you're even interested in it because maybe I could talk about it briefly, but it but not have it be so drawn out because the diagnosis story is going to take a whole fucking episode. Okay. It's a long one. <laughs> um, so that those are my updates and I would love to know what you think. Um, I also have, are we doing, are we going to do hot topics? Yeah, I think we should do hot topics, but before I get into hot topics, I wanted to do a question. I keep forgetting to fucking answer. So one of you sent in, um, a question and she was like, can we talk? I have a screenshot somewhere, but I don't even need to bring it up. Cause I know the, I pretty much know the question. I kept forgetting to talk about it. She was saying that she's annoyed. Okay. One of you reached out and said, you're annoyed. It was like about dating advice. You're annoyed because all, all these guys want to do is go on a coffee date. And you think that's not enough. Like, why the fuck am I getting glammed up to just go for coffee? And I was like, now hold on because I agree with the coffee date. And God, this could be an episode in itself talking about dating advice, but I think you need to be more cautious. I understand 
getting all glammed up and you don't want to just do it on a coffee date. Well, if that's the case, make plans for after the coffee date with a girlfriend. But I think that's a good fucking call, hon. You know what I mean? Because if you're online dating, you don't know these people. I think it's good to have your first meeting be somewhere public, somewhere you can both Uber or drive to, somewhere that it's not as intimate, you know, something you know is going to be a shorter time span, need be, because think about it. Think about it like this, and this is something I always remember when it comes to boundaries and time. There's a reason therapy sessions are only 45 minutes to an hour, because sometimes overdoing that type of situation is too much, right? It's not helpful to keep going. It's helpful to take space in between and like, and go back and think about, okay, what did we talk about in that therapy session? What did I take from it? What do I want to talk about next time? Versus like a two hour fucking session, you're exhausted by the 45 minute mark. And now you don't, you're not really paying attention and you're disassociating and you're, you know what I mean? I kind of think that can apply to dates and interactions with people as well, because you just, you're just meeting this person and a coffee date could be 15 minutes to 45 minutes to taking a stroll in the park after, and now it's two hours, but you know, it's not a fucking two hour dinner. You can go into it knowing like, okay, this could be short if, if he's like, not my vibe, it's just coffee. You know, it's coffee and a little pastry. And I have a quick out because it's not a full dinner. We're not waiting for the fucking food to come out. We're not waiting for the check. We're not waiting for a dessert. It's just coffee and a pastry that I don't need to wait for. That if in 10 minutes, I'm like, this guy is a fucking psychopath. You can be like, oh, I'm just gonna run to the bathroom and get the fuck out of there. You know what I mean? And you have your bag with everything is cool, right? You don't have to worry about the check. None of that shit. And you could tell a lot of things by the first date. Like if you're someone at a coffee shop, I've, can you tell I've been on a million coffee dates in my day? <laughs> now, you know, I've lived many, many lives and I've been in a relationship for a very long time, but I've lived many lives before him. And I've been on a lot of coffee dates and I find that it really worked. For example, I went on one. <laughs> it was it was so terrible. It was so terrible that I think on, I was either, yeah, I think it was in the car. I was with him all of like 10 minutes, maybe. I don't even know if I even got the coffee at that point. I was with him for 10 minutes and he was so fucking boring. He was like a, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Text type of guy. And I didn't know that until, because this was years ago. I didn't know that until like I was with him on the coffee date. And at the time I thought he was handsome I thought like, oh, this guy looks cute. Like, sure, I'll go on a coffee date, whatever. He seems pretty respectful. Bitch, he was so fucking boring in that first 10 minutes. Like, had nothing to provide to the conversation. I felt like I was the, I hate that. If I'm the one that's carrying this conversation, if I'm the only person that has something interesting to say, if you literally lacked intellect enough where you don't know what the fuck to add, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't carry that for you. I need a talker. I need conversation. I need dynamic. I need something. Even if even if I don't agree with them, say if like they talk their head off and everything they're, they're saying is fucking crazy, I prefer that over someone who's just like boring as fuck. Boring as fuck. 
you're not saying anything. If all you can do is contribute complaints and not say much, you're fucking boring. And he was so boring in that 10 minutes. I was like, Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm fucking pulling teeth. Like we're on a coffee date to kind of, you know, now I wouldn't say like deeply get to know each other, but at least get to know each other's personality a little bit. And you're saying nothing. How the fuck am I supposed to know about your personality? And even if it wasn't meant to be something deep, like be this person's girlfriend or him be my, I, first of all, I wasn't even trying to go that deep, but even if it was meant to be like casual things, I still need to know your fucking personality to be attracted to you in any way, shape or form. Like, I think a coffee date is great for that reason, because on this 10 minute date, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm very bored. Can you just take me home? And he, I know that he was thrown off and was like, what? I said, yeah, no, this is, I'm so bored right now. I'd literally rather be doing anything else. Please take me home. And he did. He took me home and we didn't talk after that. (laughs) But he was, he was so boring. So my advice to you is go on the coffee dates, make more coffee dates. And then if you like him and you like his personality and you guys have chemistry, that's when you're like, okay, I'll go to dinner with him. And then see if he makes a dinner date with you. And you can also tell if this is someone that's even interested in you. Because if he's listening to you talk, if he's asking questions, if you're asking questions, if the conversation's flowing, and then he, you know, the coffee date's over. And later that night, he's like, hey, I had a really nice time. I'd love to take you to dinner. Um, what type of food do you like? Or I'd love to take you to said restaurant. Are you free next Friday date? Whatever. That's great. You know, that's when you go on the coffee date. And then you could also see, is this person playing games with me? Or, you know, is this person a, what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you, I hate that shit. Like all day, what are you doing? What are you doing? What What the fuck are you doing? Do you have anything? Are you just texting a text? Like, do you have conversation or what? And you could see how he handles actually dating you, right? Like, okay, we did a coffee date. Is he going to make plans to take me somewhere? Because it shouldn't be, well, what do you want to do? Like, what type of food do you... No. The question should be, are you free this weekend? I'd like to make reservations at this place. And then if you see the place and it's like a steakhouse, but you're a fucking vegan, you could be like, oh, hey, like, if that's your favorite place, I'd love to go there with you. But I just want to let you know, I am vegan. I don't really eat steak. Um... But if that's your favorite place, I can order a salad, you know, no biggie. Or I know this really great vegan restaurant if you're open to trying it. It, it is really good. I bring all my non-vegan friends. Nobody has any complaints. Um, and then you could decide right there. Maybe you don't want to fucking date a vegan. Maybe you don't want to date a steak eater. You know what I mean? You, could, you can gauge a lot of shit by just going to dinner, going to coffee first and then making a second date for dinner. So don't get all like, oh, I'm getting all dolled up. First of all, get dolled up for you. Okay, get dolled up for you. Every time you get glammed up, that's for you, babe. And as we're going to learn in today's episode, they will stick their thing in anything. (laughs) So don't worry about getting dolled up for them. Get dolled up for you. And I think the coffee date, I think that's a green flag. Like if someone's like, hey, you want to grab coffee? You know, like, well, let's grab coffee. Let's see what happens. That's a green flag. That is very good boundaries because you don't want someone who's like trying to marry you the day after. Love bombing is a bad sign. Okay, moving on. Um, Hot topics. We're entering the airy season. Tomorrow, 
So tomorrow is the Aries new moon, which I guess means new beginnings. Um, and I don't really know what else. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up a video on it. But I know that Aries is fiery. I myself is an, is an, I'm an Aries rising. And I relate to a lot of Aries um, characteristics and being a little more fiery because I'm a cancer, but I'm not like, um, I am emotional and I, and I do feel things deeply and I, you know, hold my family close, but I'm not like the way they describe cancers. Do you know what I mean? I'm way more fiery. So I'm excited for this. I think Aries is going to be a really great season and I have nothing else to contribute on that. <laughs> so shout out to all the Aries. They're some of my favorite signs. And in other news with Hot Topic, I wanted to bring to you fashion news. I don't know if you're interested in that. I'm, I love fashion news. I'm obviously not like a fashionista and I don't have, you know, I'm not always deeply in fashion, but I do take interest in it. I do like fashion. And if I was like a fucking millionaire, I probably would have everything crazy fashion forward. But it's, you know, you could have style, but really being in fashion takes a lot of fucking money. Um, But I'm interested in, in it either way. And a lot of fashion news has come up this past week. So one, Law Roach. So if you don't know, Law Roach is a very famous stylist because he is just very good at what he does. And he really is more of um, a, what does he call it? A brand architect or a creative architect where it's more that, okay, a stylist can really change someone's celebrity. You can go from being a really good actor, but like people just appreciate your movies, blah, 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 to stardom to people really noticing you because fashion, you know, whether we like it or not, rules a lot of shit. You know, do you ever see the Devil Wears Prada? Everything was picked for everything that's picked for you is decided right here in this room. Yeah, that's true. And I took marketing and advertising in fashion in high school. It's about the only fucking thing I remember from learning in high school because it was something I've always been interested in. And the way Fashion controls so many things. It goes very deep, okay? So having a good stylist and a relationship with a good stylist can really change someone's stardom. Um, And Law Roach styled many, many celebrities, but one of his most iconic is Zendaya. Am I saying that right? Zendaya? Zendaya? I think it's Zendaya. Zendaya went from wearing like dunks with skinny jeans and plaid to literally being the most consistently best dressed on a lot of red carpets and a lot of, he styled a lot of her campaign shoots. He styled a lot of things for her. And now she's known as one of the best dressed. She's very successful. She gets a lot of great opportunities. And recently he retired. He posted that he retired and there's been so many rumors about why. There's a video that came out that said he retired Well, he posted on his Instagram, I'm retired. It was never about money for me. It's about respect and my legacy. And he was just basically conveying that he feels very disrespected by the industry. I don't think he specified who disrespected him. So for like a couple days there, there was so many different people gossiping about why he retired and that he's lying. It's not really about 
what he's saying it is because he's saying it's about respect in the industry and he doesn't feel like he's getting the respect that he deserves as a celebrity stylist. And other people are saying that's not why he's retiring before he gets canceled because someone was going to expose him for all the shitty things he did in the industry. So right now it is the 20th. And so far there is no one that's come out whistleblowing that he's done anything disrespectful. And he has done an interview with The Cut and has expressed that it really is just about respect. And he just feels like he did so much for celebrities and for brands in his career that he still was yet to have any type of respect that he felt he deserved. And that being a celebrity stylist was just like no longer fulfilling for him. Um, there, I don't know if he said this in the interview, but there's speculation that he's coming out with his own brand or something. Uh, but this definitely did bring a lot of attention to him and Zendaya. And he said that a lot of people were speculating it's because she didn't save him a seat at a runway. And that's not what happened at all. He clarified that and he cl- clarified that he's still going to work with her, but he's just not celebrity styling anymore. And I thought the whole thing was fascinating because I believe that. I think that having a good stylist and being the best dressed in the room, whether it's as a celebrity or just at your workplace or just at an event or something... It goes far. It goes far, even on job interviews, like showing up very professional and very well kept creates a huge difference Is if you showed up disheveled. And I think we can experience that in our day-to-day lives. Like if you run to the store, let's, let's think of it like Sephora. If I go to Sephora, the way that I look at home, <laughs> ponytail, uh, messy bun, loose sweatpants, white, my uniform, my white t-shirt, black leggings, like no makeup on, they're going to talk to me stupid. You know what I mean? Like they're going to talk to me dumb. They're going to talk to me stupid. They're not going to be very friendly. They're just going to be like, who the fuck is this bum in here? Do you need help? Like (laughs) that's foundation. (laughs) Like they're going to be like that. But if I go how I look on Instagram, you know, and juice it up a little bit. It's a completely different experience. It's completely, oh my God, I love your makeup. Do you have an Instagram? Oh my God, yeah, no, I love that too. Like, the, the do you need any help? Okay, I'll, I'll give you all these samples. Like, the, the fucking attitude change is so different. But this this is on every level. And that's why I was so interested in the styling, in Law Roach specifically, because one, I love the way he styles celebrities. I really, really do. I think he's fantastic. Um... But I also think it has to do with even our non-celebrity lives. And I think it's something that people aren't fully aware of. I think we are to some degree, right? Like, you know that if you dress a certain way somewhere, people are going to treat you better. You know that. I'm not telling you that for the first time. But it goes so far because fashion has a huge impact on how we act as a society, no matter what. Everything you see on the red carpet, everything you see in the media, as far as fashion, it really dictates things that we do in our everyday lives. So I like talking about this stuff. Also, you know the brand Moschino? Is it Moschino? Moschino? Um, They've had a creative director, Jeremy Scott, for 10 years now. And Jeremy Scott is the creative director who came out with all of these very camp, very like a teddy bear for a backpack. Um a banana for a shoe type of thing. Like he's just had so many iconic collections with Moschino 
and he's reti- he's no longer going to be working with them. And I was like, oh shit, what are they going to do next? And why is he no longer working with them? Is he going to have his own brand of really eccentric items? Is he going to go somewhere else? Imagine him at Gucci. And who the fuck is going to be next? Like, who is going to be next? I'm just fascinated with how the creative directoring, <laughs> creative directoring, I'm just fascinated with how this works. I guess that's my fashion background. And I don't really talk to you guys about that a lot. But let me know if you're interested because I can, you know, I could do some fashion segments. We could talk about red carpet looks. Um, I'm just, you know, we're still in our first season. So I'm trying to gauge like what other stuff you guys are interested in because I'm in this for the long haul, bitch. I'm trying to get fucking signed. I want ad deals. I want to be with a network. I don't know which one. (laughs) Who's ever the highest bidder? (laughs) I'm trying to meet the highest bidder. Um... But I'm going to need more content. You know what I mean? I'm going to need things to keep it dynamic and different. And I'm very excited to say the next hot topic, and then we'll move on to the main the main idea here. There is a new leukemia treatment. It's a breakthrough called Review Manib. And it's supposed to completely heal acute myeloid leukemia and I wanted to definitely bring attention to this because something that really really keeps me calm and helps with my personal health anxiety is knowing that year after year no matter how bad you think the world gets or how dark things seem there are always going to be groups of people who are looking to help And I know it's hard to believe with big pharma and the government and the pandemic. And I know that's so, it's so hard to believe, but trust me, there is. And it's things like this that really validate that. There was a group of people who really wanted to to cure leukemia for whatever reason. And they, they figured out, they figured out a way to do that. Um, the treatment is costly, of course. I mean, personally, my treatment is fucking costly. It's like over $30,000 for one infusion. I'm sure this is similar. Um, but the point is, there are, please remember, there are people who want to help other people. There's still good people. And breakthroughs like this, I hope, give you a really, really good feeling and a really good um, boost in your faith. And something positive to look forward to. Like if anything you're struggling with or anything, like maybe you don't have leukemia. That's, you know, that's pretty serious. But maybe you have something that there is no cure for. And this is, this is like, this is like a sign. This is such a positive sign. I don't know if you believe in God or the universe or spirit, whatever. In simple terms, it's like a sign from God. It's so it's so refreshing to hear like, holy shit, out of all of this terrible news constantly, someone found a fucking cure for this type of leukemia. It's it's great to hear. And I hope that, you know, the scientists don't get fucking killed off. <laughs> oh, my God. I was reading the comments. Hold on. I lost my slipper. I was reading the comments and people were like, yeah, until the fucking scientists get killed off. Want to <laughs> protect those scientists. I know, I know, I know. It's like, what can we believe? And we got to question everything. But 
just let's take the positive from this. They found a fucking cure. And that means there's other cures being developed. And the thing is, when one thing is cured, right? When one thing is cured, they start reverse engineering of like, okay, they cured it that way. What can other scientists will be like, okay, what what did we what can we learn from that and apply to other cancers, to other illnesses? What about this this treatment, this drug? What about this drug? cured that and how can we apply that to other things that we have not been able to figure out for years it's a very good sign and I, and I was excited to share it with you when I learned about it um but now I will get into the main topic which is kind of depressing but I feel like it's important to talk about so this person shared like I told you in the beginning of the episode that she is a therapist and she no longer wants to work with men because of the way that they treat her and how she feels disrespected and how she doesn't feel safe. Hold on, I need to drink some water. I don't have any ice either. <laughs> I don't have a straw or ice. So if I, I'll do the little clicks for you, a little ASMR. But that's why I don't have the, the, the ice noise today. I do want some fucking ice coffee though. But I'll wait till the episode's over. She doesn't want to work with men anymore. And the. Comments came in droves about why other women in service industries don't want to work with men. And I was thinking, this doesn't stop at service because I worked corporate for years. I worked on Wall Street and then I worked um, in a different industry down by the ferry. Downtown. I prefer to work downtown. It's just easier for the commute. And working with men was... I learned very quickly complex. Now, I've told you in previous episodes, I worked at Glamour Shots prior to starting corporate and starting a nine to five. And at Glamour Shots, it was mostly working with women. And I didn't have um, many uncomfortable interactions with any male coworkers. Everyone was pretty respectful. And, you know, all in all, I had a great experience. Now, did we have male clients? We sure did. And they weren't as, it wasn't as bad with the male clients, only because they were usually outnumbered. I didn't take any clients one-on-one. Anytime we were with any male clients, oh, sorry, I'm taking an air. Anytime we were with any male clients, we you weren't one-on-one with them really. So they were outnumbered. And Usually in those types of situations, you know, not many men are going to do anything. That's why it's best to be in groups. Um, But tons of men would stop in the store, um, ask us for a number. Like literally it would be men every single day coming by the store because the, the, the store Glamour Shots was all glass. So you can kind of see in through the front. So if we were working in the front, you could see us and we were always in the front. And we would get approached all the time. But as far as like actually working with men, it wasn't that tough there. Again, because they were outnumbered usually. Glamour Shots was like more, you know, where women would go. And even if we would work with someone getting a headshot or like, you know, for whatever fucking reason he would, a man would be in there, he was outnumbered. It was, it's, it would be hard to try to make us feel uncomfortable when there was like seven pretty girls there. <laughs> there was like seven girls there at once and one guy, you know, it didn't happen often. But then I moved into working a nine to five on Wall Street. And the first week I, the first week 
I was real dolled up. I was so excited. I was dolled up. I was so excited. I was like my Wall Street life. Like I'm going to be in suits and heels and do my makeup and my hair. Bitch, it took one fucking week before I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. Because I felt like they didn't actually hear what I was saying. And this is no reflection on the people I worked with. I mean, it is, but I don't mean to talk down on the people that I worked with because I did have a nice time working on Wall Street. I don't really have any complaints. Um, But, you know, it's just how it is. And it wasn't just the men I was working with in the office. It was the commute too. And I just felt like working, it was hard. It's almost like they couldn't see, they couldn't even focus basically. Like if I would say something or make a suggestion, they weren't hearing me. They weren't hearing me. They didn't, I just wasn't like a human being. It was almost like being objectified. Like they, like anything I said was just not even heard, you know? So I stopped completely and I developed what a lot of you guys know, Rebecca. And I wore very loose fitting clothes. I didn't show my shape. I didn't wear a lot of makeup, if any at all. I wore my glasses instead because I wear glasses. Um, If I don't have my glasses on, I have my contacts in for prescription. Um, I didn't do my hair. I would just like pull it back out of my face. And... I would wear, I think I would wear heels at my desk, but like, again, with like loose fitting clothes, I just fully changed. I just fully changed. I, and I developed a second, a second persona because I learned really quickly that being dressed up and traveling into the city and also working in an office in the city is just not the type of treatment is just not something I could tolerate. And I always wondered like how other people do it because I see that there's tons of women who still go into Manhattan and they go dressed up and they look gorgeous. And I've always wondered, like, how do they fucking deal with it? And the truth is, some people just deal with it. That's what I've learned. Because I always ask. Oh, well, I did. Because now I know the answer. But at the time, I would always ask, like, when I see these beautiful women dressed up. And I would ask, like, how do you deal with it? Like, how do you deal with that? Because I can't. I fucking can't. I lose my patience. I can't do it. And the harassment on the way, on the commute, I can't do it. And they would say, they just, you know, they either work somewhere where... It didn't bother them. For some people, they enjoyed it. And um, they would ignore it. It didn't, not that it didn't bother them, but it, they would just ignore it. They just, you know, they dealt with it because they get dressed up for them and it makes them feel better to go to work, which I understand because getting dressed up and looking nice every day, it does make, you know, it does make your day better. But unless you're getting fucking harassed, you know, and then I worked somewhere else after uh do do you notice I can't I can't I don't think I could legally like say stuff you know what I mean it's just better if I don't mention like what the names are um besides glamour shots they they're like they're not they're still open but I haven't said anything negative anyway but the other offices I don't know like I just feel like (laughs) I just feel like I shouldn't um then I worked in other offices and the same thing I couldn't I couldn't look nice. I couldn't show what I really looked like. I couldn't be anything but Rebecca. And even if I did, like, I remember I went to a Christmas party and I didn't even look like the full Tina K. I looked like in between Rebecca and Tina K. I'd wore um, a red suit. I wasn't about to wear a dress to this Christmas party. I wore a red suit with a tank top, 
but like a, a nice tank top, not like a fucking tank top, like a nice, like professional undershirt tank top, red blazer. And I wore my hair down and I didn't wear my glasses. Bitch, that fucking day, one of the, mm, one of the people there who was higher up than I, I'll leave it there. He came over to give me something and I didn't have my glasses on because we were about to go. This was like hours before the Christmas party, but whatever. I didn't have my fucking glasses on. I had a little bit of makeup on. And he goes, are your eyes green, bitch? Right fucking there. I was so upset because it's not. Okay, listen to me. I know you're dramatic. I know, I know, I know. That's like a, a reach, but it's not a fucking reach. It's, it's, he was caught off guard. Because I didn't have my fucking glasses on and my eyes are green. That's a lot. And it's like, I don't have, I don't have patience. I'm sorry I don't because I'm coming here to fucking work. Okay. And what he doesn't realize is on the way, and I'll get into this, on the way to work, I'm I'm already being harassed. Like I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted by being objectified. I've been working a long time. I've been traveling into work a long time years. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from dodging men. I'm exhausted from constantly being vigilant. I'm exhausted from, I can't even like going to the gym and having to cover up. I'm exhausted from being followed. I'm exhausted from these things. And as soon as I don't have my glasses on, like, oh, I didn't. And then he caught himself. He caught himself and quickly changed the subject because I looked at him and I was like, yeah, like, yeah, what are you supposed to fucking say? I was like, yeah, like what end? Do you know what I mean? Like, what was he, where, where are you going with that? And I'm sure his, like, he wasn't fully fucking thinking it, it caught him off guard because what was he going to say? Like, oh, they're really pretty. Like, what are you going to say? Because you can't, you can't give a compliment. Um, I think the word is subordinate. I'm below him at this place of work. And I know it's just a compliment. I'm not trying to fucking make a reach and like, oh, he, it's not sexual. It's not. It's not sexual harassment. And that also takes away from people who really do experience sexual harassment in the workplace. I get it. That's not what I'm saying. My point is, I'm not, like if it was a woman coming over to me, she wouldn't have noticed that. She wouldn't She wouldn't have made it a thing. She would have been like, hey, can you, can you do this for me? Whatever. Can you get me this? Do you know this person's thing? Blah, blah, blah. She would have just gotten to the point and carried on. It's the point that why if I make, why, why are so many things called to attention? Why instantly, if I'm showing any type of attractiveness, that's what you notice. Not the good work I've been doing, not anything else, not what I contribute, literally nothing else, but I don't wear my glasses and you notice something. Like why? It fucking, by that time, this was like what, 2018, 2019, I think. Well, it was Christmas party, so it was about to be 2019. Bitch, I was exa- exhausted. So this is years. It's not just him saying something very simple. It's years of being objectified, dodging, harassment on my way to work. Like, it's years of this shit. In addition to that, there was a, an older person who worked there. Um, luckily, he retired while I was there, so I didn't, like, make a big deal. But I did say something, so I started wearing scarves to cover my chest more than it was already covered. It's not like I was wearing anything revealing. I would be in turtlenecks. Like I said, I would dress like Rebecca and wear stuff that fully covered up my shape. 
like I looked probably 40 pounds bigger than I was because I covered everything, right? Like boxy stuff, very not complimenting to my shape at all. And this one older fucking guy would come over and just stare at my chest. It was so uncomfortable. And he was very high up in the company and I didn't snap out at him. I did give him a fucking attitude. Like I would be kind of rude, but I didn't say I should have snapped out. And I wish I did. Like if it was, this is years ago now, but if this was me now, oh my God, I would have been like, what are you fucking looking at? (laughs) I would have gotten fired probably, but I would have been like, what the fuck are you looking at? Are you okay? Like, are you dumb? Why are you staring at my fucking chest? I would have said that now, but I didn't say it then. And I just started wearing like scarves around my neck and like it made me so uncomfortable. It made me so fucking uncomfortable because I he would literally find reasons to come talk to me, stay at my desk and just stare while he would try to tell me a story. He kept looking down at my chest. So then I would start wearing a scarf. And do you have the do you know he had the fucking nerve to be like, are you cold? Like, why are you always wearing wearing a scarf now? Did it get colder? Like, are you cold? Bitch, it was the summer. And I'm like, yeah, the AC is really high. Like, and then somebody came by an older woman who was higher up than I. She came by and asked the same thing. Like, oh, are you like, are you cold? Like, why do you have a scarf? And I would say, because so-and-so is always looking at my fucking chest and he don't leave me alone. She was like, oh, yeah, someone else complained about that. Bitch, and no one said anything to him. Like, that's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. It's so uncomfortable. I'm coming here to work to survive. You think this was my fucking dream to be in this office? No, but I need fucking health insurance. Like, I have to be here. And not only am I getting harassed on the way here, as I'm here, I'm being objectified and made to feel uncomfortable. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So anyway... This was, like I said, it was 2019. Now, on my commutes on the way to work, always had issues. From when I started going to Manhattan, I always had issues on the commute. It would be being followed, being harassed. And then in 2019, it just escalated to something different. And there was this one guy where I had fallen asleep on the ferry because, which I know not to fucking do that, but clearly I was exhausted and... I fell asleep on the ferry and when I and I woke up because he was sitting on my feet. Like, what? So I flipped out, I grabbed my stuff, I was yelling at him, um, I was recording him, and then do you know that every day after that he was following me? He would follow me. I would move somewhere, he followed me to a different seat. I would move somewhere else, he followed me to a different seat. So now every day on the ferry on my way to work, I would have to walk around. Imagine my exhaustion by the time I got to the fucking office. And at the time, I didn't live near an express bus to go switch my route to get on an express bus. Also, where I worked wasn't near an express bus. Where I worked was so downtown that it was way closer to the ferry. And I lived way closer to the ferry. So that was really my only option unless I'm going to fucking drive into work every day. And I work so down. Downtown Manhattan doesn't have parking like the way other. Manhattan doesn't really have parking, but downtown really doesn't have parking. You could pay, what, $50 a fucking day to park your car, but there's no fucking spots, babe. There's no spots. And there's no room for express buses. The express buses go, they're, quote, downtown, but they're not as far down. Like I was on the water, okay? I was down there. I was next to the ferry, babe. 
the ferry was the only fucking option. And if you're from Staten Island and you know Manhattan, you know what I'm talking about. Like I was down on Whitehall Street, like low. And that was my only option was the fucking ferry. What was I going to do? Drive in every... My boyfriend drives into work, right? But he drives in way earlier than me and doesn't go where I go. Like it would just... it just, I just didn't have other options. That then... Then this guy would be on the ferry on the way back when I would come home. So I started switching times. Then he would magically be on the ferry when I would switch times because I would go to the gym after work and then he would be... It was just... I was exhausted. I almost quit. I almost fucking quit because I was like, I can't... First of all, I have other incomes. You know, I'll, I'll have to figure something out with my insurance, whatever. I'll get another job. Like, I was literally at that place because I can't... I couldn't take... Hold on. My fucking computer... I couldn't handle the constant vigilance of just going to work. Just, and I liked my job. My job was great. Besides the fucking not being able to look nice. (laughs) It was a really nice job. And I was literally considering like, I think I started looking up, like, should I work on, my mom was telling me, "Get get an office job on Staten Island. Stop commuting into the city. Like, I was, I was looking, I, this was um, in January 2020, and I was looking up, like, because at this time, at this point, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And then it's like, my boyfriend would pick me up from the ferry just to make sure I was safe. But then it's like, what are we, what are we asking for here? Like, what are we doing? What is he going to do? Because if he protects me, is that a battery charge for him? Like, at, at what point is this like, okay, wait, this is fucking out of hand. Like, how do you get this person to stop harassing you, stop following you, stop making you feel uncomfortable? And like, what is reasonable here? What is fucking reasonable? Because of course I told the ferry workers, do you think they give a fuck? They don't give a fuck. You you can go to the police, right? But what are the police going to do? They're going to come on the ferry with me? There's police on the ferry. What the fuck are they going to do? You know what they tell you? All right, sit next to me. Mm, this guy is still sitting over there. They can't tell this guy, don't sit there. They can't do anything until you are hurt. That's how that works, unfortunately. They cannot do anything for you until that person assaults you. So now if I'm fucked, then I would fear being tired. I would fear being tired because the ferry is actually really nice. I'm one of the people, I like it. Um, does it have creeps? Yeah, but basically if I feel safe, like if I'm with a group, if I'm with my boyfriend, I would love to take the ferry. It's nice. It's beautiful views, especially in the summer. It's comfortable. Some of the seats are so comfy. Like, it's literally the fucking best, okay? It's really fucking nice. It's way nicer. I don't like the express bus. It's way nicer than the express bus. I enjoyed taking the ferry. But now I'm, like, panicked that I can't, I can't, like, relax for a second. I can't scroll on my phone. I can't relax for a second. I can't fall asleep, God forbid. I would go to the gym after working all day, after being up at six o'clock in the morning, what if I didn't sleep the night before? God forbid I fall asleep. Like it was just too much that I started considering, like, I think I just need to, I think this chapter is done. Like I can't keep doing this. I cover up as it is. I don't look like myself. I'm literally traveling to work, going to work, not even being myself at all, at all. This is not my personality. I don't dress like this. I'm a completely different person and I have to be so, I would just be exhausted. And then by Fridays, I would be angry. Fridays, I would be fucking pissed off. Like the whole day, just in a bad mood. 
because I just spent all week dodging, dodging fucking weirdos, coming here, feeling not the happiest. Like it was just exhausting. And then the pandemic hit <laughs> and I couldn't go in anyway. Then the pandemic hit and I couldn't go in anyway. So I didn't have to quit or anything, but that's where I was at, which I feel like is extreme, like to want to quit your job, lose your benefits, lose an entire income because it's it's too much. But that's really, it was depressing me. The amount that I felt like I can't just exist without being harassed in any way, shape or form, like just leave me the fuck alone. Like I want to be like, I want to be a man and go to work. Like, what is it like for them to go to work? That's what I would daydream about. Like, what is it like for them to just commute? They could just like be on the ferry. Like, what is that? They could just like get on an express bus late too. They could just like walk to their job and nothing happens and not be vigilant and not worry about someone fucking following, harassing them, stalking them, cursing them out, spitting on them, worse, filling them up. They could just do that. Oh, I was so jealous. I was so angry. I was so negative. I was so just exhausted. I was tired of it. I got so tired of it. Just dealing with constantly feeling like I can't fucking exist. I can't exist. I just can't be objectified. Like why? Like why? Why? As soon as I leave my house, I'm dehumanized. Why? 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 Why do we have to live in fear? Why? All the time. It's fucking exhausting. So obviously I was sad about the pandemic, but it was nice to like not fear that for a minute. Like everyone's locked down. Everybody's inside. I don't have to be on public transportations. I don't have to worry about like if there's a man standing behind me on a bus grabbing, touching me, grabbing me, which also happened when I would commute into Wall Street. I fell asleep once on the bus and this guy was feeling up my fucking leg and shit. Oh my God. It was just... so many incidents of this and I was exhausted and I just like never, I talked about it when that guy was stalking me in the ferry, I posted it and I got so many responses of like, oh my God, he did that to me too. He did that to me too. He did. I know that guy. I take the ferry too. He does that to me too. But I never really addressed like why I'm Rebecca at work. And this would be why, because I was so exhausted from being objectified. I was so exhausted from it. Like literally, if you look pretty at work, people don't even hear you. They don't hear nothing you're saying. They don't take nothing serious. You're just treated differently. Oh, I fucking hated it. I I obviously like attention because I'm a fucking influencer. (laughs) But I don't like it like that. I don't like being objectified when I'm just trying to get something done. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was more than I could handle. Um, I haven't been back to an office since. But... Anyway, so that was my story. Um, and I think it still happens. Oh, hold on. Cher is fucking bugging out. There's got to be someone at my front door. Hold on. I don't know. Can you guys hear her? I got to listen back and see if they... Oh, it's FedEx. Ooh, what did I get? Maybe it's PR. Um, so obviously, I'm not the only one who has dealt with this. And I asked you guys, are you in service or do you do anything differently being at your place of work because of men? Like, is this 
an experience for you as well. So first of all, let's talk about the TikTok. So that TikTok went viral and the people in the comments were like, yeah, I work at a vet clinic and we can't, we can't hire men because of the times that we found what men were doing to the animals. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but I'm sure you can imagine. I'm sure you can imagine. Which is just insane. Um, other people stated that they work in a morgue or a funeral home and they cannot hire men because of what they would find that the men would do to the bodies of women. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but you know what I'm talking about. And then someone uh, made a reply video saying that in Judaism, part of Judaism is women staying with the woman who passed to protect the body. Like this goes as far back into religious practices. And it is just, you know, someone asked me a question. She sent me a message and she said, I find myself uh, debating, is it okay to be a man hater when the reason I'm upset is that men hate women? Like, is it hypocritical? And I replied, one, I can't even believe you have to ask that. <laughs> like, what do you, yeah, that's the problem, babe. Like, and it's not exactly, here's the thing. Me talking about this or talking about the patriarchy in general or talking, here's the confusion and where things I think, where where men get defensive or whatever, right? One, I don't think it's wrong to express that it is exhausting dealing with men in every every industry, in every way. Like at this point, it's ex- it's just exhausting. We constantly have to flinch. We constantly have to be like tight. Like we constantly have to not be comfortable, right? And that builds exhaustion. But why is this happening to begin with? Because of their actions. But where did their actions come from? Whoever taught them. The society in which tells them they need to behave that way. So it's not just something that we should be mad about. It's also something they should be concerned about. Like the patriarchy and these systems and the way that, like it makes it hard for them too, right? Like it's not just hard for us. And I'm not trying to reason with like men or, you know, sympathize them in any way. But the facts are the facts. And it's that this, the way things are and the way women are constantly made to feel uncomfortable for reasons outside of our own choices also affects them. Because the more that we talk about this and the more that women are learning and the more that these situations and things like TikTok bring awareness to situations like this. Like, we can't even work with you motherfuckers. Like, we can't even hire you. We can't even, we can't even commute to work because of, because of people like you. Like, we don't even want to work with you. We don't want to hire you. We don't, we don't want to give you jobs. We don't want to marry you. We don't want to have kids with you. It affects them as well. Where they, sh- I, I noticed that men are actually getting angry because they don't deal with their emotions. They're getting angry in response instead of trying to look at how did we even get here where women are looking at it like, how did we even get here, right? We're dissecting it. Like, how did we even get here? 
when did the fuck did this happen? Why does this happen? How can we fix it? Like problem solvers where men are just like, fuck you. Do you have a Bugatti? <laughs> They're just like not taking it well. But the truth is, it's also detrimental to them because if people don't want to marry them, if people don't want to be with them, if people are avoiding them, if people are treating them like an other and start treating them with like a bad taste in their mouth and don't want to date them anymore, don't want to procreate with them, it affects their life as well. Like they're not going to be happy either. So I think instead of them getting angry, they should look at like, okay, how the fuck did we get here? Maybe there's system in, systems in place where that should be changed because I can't find a fucking wife. I can't find a woman that wants to even go on a date with me. I, I'm struggling here. I feel like that's not happening, right? It's, it's a lot of projection, but there's not a lot of internal self-work going on to fix the issue <laughs> because it's the society and it's the men before them who raise them to act a certain way, who raise them to be like, or even, even their mothers, mothers raising them with the mentality of like, oh, well, boys will be boys, which is like not necessarily true, like, that's not a good way to deal with it. Like, because, again, the way it was handled at work, when I said, I'm wearing a scarf to, to cover my chest because this man keeps staring at me, she kind of made it like, oh, yeah, but he's old. You know how it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. Are you saying because he's a man and this is something that men do, I should just shut the fuck up because I'm just a, a, a woman, a young woman working here and I should just shut up? Like, because I'm not a higher up as well? Like, why is that the case? Shouldn't it be? No, don't objectify her because we need people to work here. This company doesn't run if we don't have every gear working. Wouldn't that have been a better solution? Like, no, don't disrespect women and just and make her to feel uncomfortable because she's doing her job. She's doing her job great. And we need her to show up every day. And if you're making women here not want to show up every day, you're the fucking issue. We're not going to allow the objectification. But no, it was more so like, mm, men will be men. And that's just on a very tiny little scale, right? Very tiny little scale. But is that not this? That's like a metaphor for what actually goes on. Like maybe if we just change it a little bit and show them more respect and show them more appreciation or show them more like, okay, we do see you as human beings and that's wrong to do. We're not going to do that. Maybe they'll get a better response. Like even as far as first dates, do you ever see the videos of like people's hinge profiles or men's hinge profiles and how fucking crazy they are? <laughs> or men complaining about like, oh, these girls, they don't want blah, 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 blah. Mm, they're not actually listening. Like it's not that women want you to buy them a fucking diamond ring on the first date. It's just they want you to actually show up and give fuck about who they are as a human being. Like, it's not really, they hear like, oh, well, what do you bring to the table? It's not about what you bring. No, they're totally fucking missing the point. It's just wanting to feel safe in your presence. Like, why can't we feel safe in your presence? Why do fathers feel like they have to protect their daughters? Because of other men? Like, why are fathers overprotective about their daughters? Why are boyfriends and, and husbands or whatever overprotective about, their, about the woman in their life? Because of other men? And I'm not talking about jealousy. I'm talking about the, the men who actually 
don't want you to get hurt. The men who actually want to protect you and want you to feel safe. Why do they want that? Because they know there are other men who do not have the same values. And I think I think this TikTok going viral opens up a bigger conversation and a really important one. And I don't know if this is something that will ever be solved. Listen, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> but I thought the question I got from one of you asking, like, is it okay? Like, is it hypocritical to hate men for hating women? Like, is that hypocritical? And um, I think I was snarky in the response. I was probably fucking tired. You got to listen. Listen, I try to read all the messages. It doesn't mean I'm always like self-aware or in a good place. <laughs> but I don't think it's hypocritical because I think that if they, okay, basically if we're happy, right, everyone's happy. But when they're happy, it's usually at the cost of us. Our happiness does not mean taking advantage of women, hurting women. That's not what that is. But their happiness usually leads to some objectification of women um, or worse. And I think that's the real issue. It's like, how can we not feel that way? How can we not fear them? And I don't even think it's hate because the problem is we just women. I'm talking women as a whole. Women just want men to be nice to them. We just want them to be nice and safe. Like, I just want to go for a walk outside. Right? I just want to, like, go somewhere after dark and not fear for my safety. I just want to, like, get an office job and not feel like I have to be a completely different human being. I want to get on the ferry and not fear that someone might follow me home. Or worse, I want to get in my car at night and not fear that someone's not in the car ready to like, I don't even fucking know. I don't want to fear being home by myself. I don't want to fear at all. Like, why do we have to live that way when they don't? We just want them to be nice to us. (laughs) And they want us to be submissive, which is two completely different things. And where does that stem from? And I think they're not realizing that the way this is going to go is not in their favor. Women are going to continue to go into mom munes, which is like, I think I talked about that on a previous episode, where moms are kind of joining together to raise the kids versus like even considering having a husband or a man to do it. Women are choosing to not get married and not have children. And I'm noticing very recently, women are choosing to just not even fucking date. They don't even want to date. They're just like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'd just rather be alone. I Literally being lonely is less scary than trying to date and get mixed up with another man who can't handle his fucking emotions, can't handle his impulsivity or whatever it may be. Um, so no, I don't think so. I think their hate towards us is something that's ingrained in them from early on, whether it's subconsciously or consciously. I think it's taught to them in ways that I think even their mothers can't identify. And I think that has to do with like internal misogyny because it's taught to women. Being misogynistic has been forced onto women. They internalize that. 
And when they raise their sons to be a certain way or spoil them or don't treat, teach them about accountability or don't teach them about what assault even is or teach them about boundaries or teach them with like, oh, well, boys will be boys. Well, that's just how he is. That That's just how he is mentality is the reason why any of us are in this position to begin with. That's just how he is. Oh, but that's my son. That's just how he is. Um, well... <laughs> If we were to be that way, it's always the women being villainized. It's always like, well, what were you wearing to work? Well, what were you doing? Well, maybe you shouldn't wear that much makeup. To work. Why are you wearing that much makeup anyway? So not the point. Just just because something you're wearing, something you're wearing does not mean, okay, touch me. Like, that's not what the fuck that means. That's not what the fuck that means. Dressing a certain way, having your hair and makeup a certain way, having your body done a certain way doesn't mean, okay, assault me. Where the fuck, where do you even get that from? And why is it on the menu? Like, I hate that conversation because what the fuck are you talking Well, did you see what she was wearing? What the fuck does that even mean? What does that mean? What, what does that even mean? That means it's okay to assault her? There is no she was asking for it. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. And then what's the excuse with um, morgues and vet clinics and funeral homes or worse when I read um retirement homes or rehab facilities what's the excuse there I'm sure they weren't fucking asking for it what is that like what the fuck is that that's insane and I think that's something that is just subconsciously taught in our society for years I think it's something that could be fixed I think it's, I definitely think it's fixable, but it's got to come from the parents and getting rid of that, like, oh, well, boys will be boys mentality. Okay, I'm going to read some of these. I work as a property management as, uh, I work in property management as a site administrator, and I always make sure to look sexy and cute. (laughs) Oh, the installers and residents I deal with have to be professional, but I'm also very, quote, bitchy and assertive, and they do not know and they know not to cross boundaries or or I'll report them to HR. Well, sweetie, you got very lucky because if your HR respects you, you are keep that job forever. Okay. The last example I can think of this related to this shit was when I worked, when I was 23 to 26, I worked for an ambulance company in Los Angeles and I actually worked in the billing department. So I did medical invoice coding. But at one point, the company had been sued multiple times by women who stated that the EMTs would sexually assault them. So the company, in order to mitigate further risk of lawsuits, started to require that there were always a woman on board whenever they were doing transfers of women because the ambulance company that I worked for mostly did like 5150 holds and people going from the hospital to emergency psych mental health facilities. 5150 is if someone's having a mental breakdown, that's the code you call. That's the code the 911 the 911 dispatcher will give to the EMT because there's codes for all types of different calls and shit. So anyways, they didn't have enough female EMTs. So what they would do is when they got a call, if there wasn't a male and a female EMT to take the call together, then they would give an extended ETA to the hospital and then send an ambulance to pick me up at my house. And then we would go and pick up a female patient at the hospital and then transfer that female to whatever facility they were going to. 
and I would get paid an extra $50 for every ride along. I would ride along in the back with the patient and one male EMT while the other drove and make sure that they didn't do anything to the patient. But guess what? They then would friggin' sexually assault me on the whole fucking ride. I hated it. I was young and stupid and needed the money. I believe you. I believe you. I'm not surprised. Another one. Finally, it's being talked about. About eight years ago, I went into surgery to have my nose fixed, and I didn't know until going into it I had to be completely naked under the surgical gown. When I started to wake up in the recovery room with other people around me, men and women, I still couldn't really move yet. I was so out of it. First of all, that's so fucking dramatic. But I looked down, and the top of my gown is down below my boobs. I was so confused, humiliated, and couldn't understand why. Tears started running down my face, and I couldn't get the words out and make and nurses just kept walking by looking at me none of them fixed the gown eventually a female came over and was like holy shit fixed me and then talked to me because she saw i was crying it was the absolute worst feeling i really couldn't fully put into words just how i felt questions started spiraling through my mind like was someone touching me did my gown just get pulled down pulled down by accident did they move it down why would all these people leave me this way in a room filled with other people it's not like everyone in the room was a comatose it was only me but they were awake Um, drinking juice boxes, just taking the view of my tits. That's awful. Just put put off, I put off so many surgeries because, because of this, like surgeries I actually need. I asked her, what did you say? Like when you woke up and she didn't get back to me, but I'm curious, like what, did she report them? Like, what do you do after that? Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I work for, here's another one. I work for a private corporation in a two-story building. The bottom floor is occupied by all female subsidiary. I work on the top floor as a controller for the parent comp, the parent corporation. I'm the only woman on that floor. Years ago, I worked for the sub on the bottom floor and I would dress cute, rock my luxury bags, wear makeup. We did, we all did. I loved it. But then when I moved to the top floor with just men, the vibe was very different. Like if I wore a cute dress, I would get, oh, is it a date night tonight? Or if I carried a Louis Vuitton bag, they would comment on the cost. So that was it. I stopped dressing cute, minimal makeup, nothing fancy, serious business attire. It honestly felt like less work and maintenance, but I would miss the comfort of the female vibe, which I fully get like, (laughs) it must be so nice to work with all women. Like when I was at Glamour Shows and looking cute and everything, it was all girls. It was so much fun. And that's what I was used to. And that's what I thought I would be able to carry over. But no, you can't. Um, okay, hold on. There's more. There's more. Yes, this is true. I was a supervisor of one, of a morgue. She's a supervisor of a morgue. Men weren't allowed to be alone with female clients, but female staff would be, in fact, be alone with male clients. Oh, no, she's talking about, um, I'm sorry. She's talking about like a, a older folk. What is that called? Retirement home? Like, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Hold on. Okay. A home for the intellectually disabled. And she's saying that men were not allowed to be alone with females. But the female staff was allowed to be alone with male and everybody. Because there's a long history of male um, social workers or male, like, uh, what are they called? Not nurses, but like aides, like um, nursing home aides and stuff that abuse the older women 
who are disabled and can't say anything. This happens a lot with kids who are um, inaudible, like the children on the spectrum who can't vocalize anything. They don't talk at all. This happens a lot to those children because you know they're not going to say anything, which is incredibly sad. I don't mean to say that so casually, but I'm just telling you like how far this goes. Oh, I share. Here's another thing because I'm reading a reply to this. I also told you as a freelance artist. Okay, so I do freelance makeup and I told you I don't take a lot of clients. I use, At this point, I just do um, word of mouth and then I, I look at who they know and basically if I'll feel comfortable working with them. I don't take anyone in my house. The only people I take in my house are like repeats um, who are basically my friends at this point, like people I know. You know what I mean? Like my repeats are my friends. I'll take them here. Everywhere else, I go to them and I don't just take anybody. That's why I'm not always posting. I'll like once in a while, I'll be like, oh, I have appointments available this week. But I, even when I get messages in, it doesn't mean I'm just taking them. I have to know who you know. I've been on, this is only recent, like in the last four years, I've been on countless fucking, even now, even like if I know someone, their fucking husbands would talk to me as soon as they go, as soon as my client would like go to the bathroom or go to change because I'll do their makeup before they have to get ready. Um, oh, hold on a second. My mom's calling. Hold on. Hello? Hi. Hi, I'm recording. Can I call you back? Yeah. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, love yeah, you. Yeah, call you later. All right. All right, love you, bye. Love you, bye. So I'll do someone's makeup and then they have to go get ready and sometimes if we're on a time crunch or something they'll they'll go to the bathroom right away and start getting ready and I'm I'm in front of my kit like cleaning up like it takes me a couple minutes you know um I also kind of make a mess sometimes so it takes me like uh, maybe five minutes to get everything together put it in my kit get my shit together close up my light because I'll bring a light takes me a couple minutes sometimes the fucking husbands or the boyfriends or whoever the fuck be sitting there chatting it up which is fine some people are talkative why are they asking for my fucking instagram and my phone number my phone number why would you need my phone number why would you need my phone number i obviously do not give it to them and i'll say oh no i don't give my phone number out like then i'll be like your girlfriend has my instagram and then they don't say anything like did you think i was game like did you think i would be in on that with you you thought I would be with that? I'm not with that. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's fucking crazy. You think I'm do- your girlfriend, your wife, whatever is my client. You think I'm game to who the fuck are you? You think I'm I'm with that? Oh no! First of all, no. Ew. And what type of human being are you? Or they would play it off like, oh yeah, because maybe I could book you for this and this. No, the fuck you are not. And if you wanted to, your girl has my Instagram. She could book me for said event. Why the fuck would you? Are you drag? Because then we could talk. That's fine with me. Trans, that's fine with me. If you are trans and, and maybe I didn't know at this point in time, that's fine with me. But... Otherwise, why the fuck would you need my contact information? That's weird. But but it happens. It fucking happens. And then I got DMs about like, um, 
girl lash techs, they don't let any men come to sit in on the appointments. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Even if I do have repeats here, don't bring anybody. Don't bring anybody. Okay, someone said this. I used to not think of this until I was assaulted walking home on a busy street at like 11 a.m. in the morning years ago. Ever since that, I do not play. On the rare occasion I leave, I leave the house alone, it's unavoidable. You would not know it was me. If I'm commuting to an event that where I will be wearing a dress or something, leggings, bike shorts underneath, and a shawl or something to cover up until I get there. I agree. Even if I had to do something at work, like an influencer event afterwards, I would change after work, which was a fucking pain in the ass, or it was just all of it. Just all of it was a fucking pain in the ass. But there are just countless stories about how people um, have to change so many things to commute to work or what they do at work in general. Okay, this one's about commuting, I think. Love this topic got me thinking as someone who always worked in the beauty industry and having to be ultra glam plus commute from Kensington to a downtown Philly, I did crazy things. I would rotate four to five buses and stops and four trains plus stops as well. Every day, a random variation to and from work so I didn't have a routine. If I missed a a bus or a train, I would never stand anywhere, had to keep it moving. And some walks at night were with a can of soup and a sock. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's a good one. A soup and a sock. So what? What was the plan? You just fucking swing it? Oh my God. That's crazy, girl. Like, that's... <laughs> that is barbaric. A soup and a sock, bitch. I'm about to do that and just like hide it. <laughs> Should I hide it by the front door? Oh my God. A can of soup and a sock. Had to stay ready, she said. And of course, a buddy system whenever possible, sharing location with people too. Damn, I didn't realize I was doing all this until now. That's, that was my point. Like, think about it. I want you to think about it. What is everything you do in your everyday life to avoid getting harassed, assaulted, or something by a man? What are the things you do when you go to work? What are the things you do when you leave work? What are the things you do at work? going to the gym, leaving the gym, food shopping, regular shopping, going out with friends, going to dinner, taking out the trash, all of it, all of it. What are all the things that you do? Because I've always known that I was doing them, but until I actually like made a list in my head or wrote it down or really, really, really paid attention to all of the things, I was shocked. And I couldn't believe it. And I and I was thinking like, do other people do this? Like, why? Why? Why the fuck? Like, how? How and why? The amount of shit I personally do that I feel like you guys probably do too. It's just insane. And they just don't think about it. They just like don't have to do that. Like, they just head to work and no, no thought about there could be someone in their backseat or someone following them on the, on the bus or and going to the gym late walking to their car they're just like chilling just just relax and then you think about it we can't I don't even think we have anxiety disorders you know what I mean I don't even think we have half the illnesses that come up I think a lot of it is like 
based on our surroundings. Like, we're not anxious women. We're not, I mean, obviously, like, some of us are. I'm not trying to, like, discredit anyone's real mental illness. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, of course we're fucking pissed off and exhausted by 7 o'clock at night. Of course I was fucking pissed by a Friday. Of course I'm in a cranky-ass mood and don't want to be friendly. Of course I am. Because I'm fucking hypervigilant non-stop. Unless I'm home, in my sweats, alarm on, locked doors, a chow-chow barking at the fucking window. Unless I'm home, I'm, I don't feel safe. Please think about all the ways that you feel safe and when you feel safe. What is the percentage that you feel safe versus not feeling safe? And if you work from home, it's probably higher. But if you have to go into an office or if you do go into an office or if you go somewhere or a job or whatever, do you feel safe? And and how? And what are you doing to feel safe? Do you just naturally feel safe? Like, are you just walking out of your house? You feel good? You feel safe? Or are you, you feel safe, but you're looking, you're checking, you're mindful of what's showing, what you're wearing. Are you doing all, are you doing all the works or... Or you only feel safe when you're at home or next to somebody. Because it's no wonder we're fucking wound up and stressed. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, do I have any closing <laughs> closing arguments? Do I have anything else to say? Um, no. And I'm pretty tired. And I would like to go eat something. <laughs> it's 2.12 now. I'm pretty sure this was an hour and a half or two hours. Um... And yeah, that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it didn't piss you off too much. But again, I just think, you know, with a full, my demographic is very clearly women. I check it all the time. Um, I don't know how to solve this or where to go from here, but I do think it's important to acknowledge that it's something we should be talking about. I think it's important to acknowledge that it's happening and you know, when, when you hear others complaining or maybe they're tired or maybe they had a harder day or like take these things into consideration because your friends or, you know, you don't know what they dealt with on the way to work that they don't even think to mention because they're used to it by now. Like, what is your normal? What is your normal trying to navigate this life? And I love, I love bringing up topics like this and bringing awareness to it. But anyway, as you can hear, I'm dying out. I want to go call my mommy back because we have to gossip, okay? We have gossip to talk about. I can't tell you guys. Stop. I can't tell you. I wish I fucking could, bitch, but you know how it is. I can't talk to you about it. Some shit is private, but oh my God, is it juicy? So I got to go call her back. All right, guys. I love you. I'll see you next week. Bye.